Hello, and welcome to Listed, a Forbes podcast about people, money, and power. I'm your co-host, Abe Brown. And I'm the other co-host, Maggie McGrath. And today, we're going to talk about the mysterious billionaire behind Bumble. Maggie, it's that time of the year. Love is in the air. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's like a disease. Fortunately, I'm vaccinated for it, so I'm, I'm not worried about <laughs> catching it. But it does give us a great opportunity to talk about Bumble, uh, which is obviously one of the most popular dating apps out there, and about the people who founded it. A lot of people think it's just Whitney Wolf Heard, who is Bumble's CEO. She's the co-founder of Bumble. She also is famously, of course, a former Tinder employee. But as our guest is going to tell us, at Bumble, it's about more than just Whitney. Yes. Whitney is not the only person behind Bumble. There's someone else. It's funny you say that, Maggie. I have a related question. I want to know, do you think there are any other people or companies that have a secret overlord behind them? So as you know, this question makes me uncomfortable because I answered it very... Yeah, you're tensing up. I can see your shoulders are going up. You've crossed your arms. Loose, loosen up, Maggie. Well, I don't, I don't, like, to, I don't like to be too speculative because as a journalist, I like there to be evidence behind what I say. But I'm taking your advice and thinking about this in a fun way. Fun. Fun Maggie. Fun, fun Maggie. Fun Maggie. Fun Maggie's here. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is fun Maggie. This might be dumb Maggie. So a real long running joke in my family is I can't open anything. And my <laughs> brother likes to joke that he can tell when I've been in the house because he looks at the Pepperidge Farm bags and it's just like torn to shreds. So I think there is a secret overlord behind Pepperidge Farms that's preventing me from opening, opening goldfish because I just I can't do it. I It rips every time. It's awful. Um, I was looking it up. Pepperidge Farm was founded in 1937 by a woman named Margaret Rudkin. By a woman? Yes, by a woman. Huh, okay. Another Margaret. Those Pepperidge Farm bags, man, they are so hard to open. So I think only an evil genius could have come up with them. But I totally agree. I, to a point, although I don't have any trouble cracking into those Milano cookies, yeah, probably more than I should. I think I am just special when it comes to my <laughs> opening ability. But Abe, who do you think is an evil overlord behind a person, product, or thing? Well, I, I do have a person I think has a secret overlord. And I want I want to tell you a little bit about him. I'm going to read off some of his... Um, early career highlights, and I'm putting that in quotes. Um, this guy was a average college athlete. Mm -hmm. He was a failed professional athlete. Mm -hmm. he, tried to become an, uh, he tried to become an actor, and his breakout role in Hollywood uh, was the sum total of being a digitized spider creature. Does any of this suggest great stardom to you? No, but I do like to root for underdogs. <laughs> that is so on brand. Uh, the person I'm talking about, of course, is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Um, and I think he's got a secret overlord. Like Bumble, he has had a very surprising meteoric rise after making a dramatic switch. Obviously, Bumble changed his business model a little bit. In Johnson's case, he went from being a terrible actor to being a mediocre one. And now he's been showered with nothing but the greatest praise for years. Again, quite like Bumble. Uh, did you ever see Men in Black? Yes, but I don't remember much of it. Do you remember the scene in which um, the very tall guy, his head opens, and there's a little alien at the controls? I'm going to take your word levers. for it. That, that's how I just envision what's controlling the rock. Like, I think he's just in that, you know, size 30 noggin of his. There's a little alien controlling everything. And 
you know, he's going he's gonna to run for president and this is really just an alien attempt to take control of the world. So to be clear, you don't think there's a Richelieu behind the scenes pulling the strings. You think there's a, literally an alien in the rock's head? Great, uh, great Musketeers reference. I appreciate that. But no, I think it's just a little alien and this is how the world ends with the rock taking us over. All right, Mr. Johnson, consider this an official invite to the Listed Podcast. Please <laughs> come on and defend your honor and perhaps fight Abe. Whenever you want, Dwayne, whenever you want. But before that throwdown... I want to bring a different guest into the pod studio. She knows something about battling with the rich and powerful. It's our woman in San Francisco. It's Angel Ao Young. Well, Angel, thank you so much for calling into the pod. You are our first remote guest on Listed. Nice. Excited to be the first one. Um, But it's for a good reason. I think you had probably one of the biggest Forbes stories last year with your investigation into Bumble and the billionaire behind it. So as part of the wealth team at Forbes, you're investigating billionaires. But how did this specific assignment begin for you? Sure. Um, Well, it all really started with this Russian billionaire, Andrei Andreev. Um, I saw his name on our list of Russian billionaires, and he really stood out um, from all the others to me because... For the most part, the rest of the Russian billionaires list, they fit the typical definition of an oligarch. And that's somebody who, you know, really got rich in the 90s when the USSR fell apart and they were able to um, grab all these assets that used to be state run. So um, aluminum, telecom, oil and gas. But this one Russian billionaire, Andrei Andreev, he was different. His uh, source of wealth came from the Internet. But it wasn't just like any kind of internet. It was from dating apps. And I just found that really interesting. And when I saw that, I knew I immediately wanted to cover him and eventually do a story on him. Um, And yeah, I told my editors that and they let me run with it. So a couple of years ago, you started looking into Andre Andreev. Were Bumble and Whitney Wolf Heard in the picture at that point? Uh, You know, so Forbes has covered Whitney Wolf Heard um, before. She's been on our cover. And, um, you know, we've covered the app and Whitney um, extensively in the past. Um, With Whitney, you know, she has always been a crucial part of Andre's story because she co-founded Bumble. Um, This uh, key feature, Bumble's signature feature of... um, letting women make the first move, um, that is Whitney's idea. Um, But Whitney could not have made Bumble without Andre's support. Andre was the one who reached out to Whitney when um, she left Tinder and asked her if, you know, she wanted to partner with him on another app. And he was the one that funded Bumble. He built Bumble. Um, So, so yeah, Whitney was always um, an important part of uh, Andre's story. So Andre had other dating apps in his portfolio, but Bumble was the big hit. Right. I mean, so Bumble has always really been the crown jewel of Andre's dating app empire since uh, the moment that I started looking at him. Um, I mean, before Bumble, Andre had built Badu, which is this uh, dating app that, you know, has the same swipe left, right feature as Tinder and Bumble. Um, But that app, it came before Bumble. It came before Tinder. And its market was mostly in Europe um, and South America. So by the time that I started looking at Andre, Bumble was already a huge piece of Andre's net worth. So fast forward to 2019, you're planning a vacation to London and you want to see if Andre will meet with you. 
I go to London um, and Andre, it's Easter Monday, actually. So most of London was, uh, it was pretty quiet. Um, And we met at this restaurant called Hyde. It's a Michelin starred restaurant. And we had, you know, tea at this restaurant. And then we ended up going on this five hour walking tour around London where he showed me, you know, his favorite bakeries, tea shops, cafes. Um, and we were just talking throughout this entire five hours. And in the process of us talking, he actually ended up giving me this business exclusive that actually didn't end up going in the story because the story, the, the direction of the story changed. But um, he told me that he was planning on uh, investing $100 million to finding the next big app. And it didn't have to be a dating app. It could be a social networking app. Um, and now it was on to the next stage of my reporting, which is reaching out to former executives, former employees, investors, just to make sure that the perspective that I had was um, as objective as possible. Angel, what tipped you off that there might be a hidden layer to him, something that you had to dig a little deeper on? (laughs) No, I mean, I think this story, it didn't take, it wasn't that hard to really unearth what the story ended up uh, being about, which was rampant sexism and misogyny in Andre's London headquarters. All I really had to do was send a couple of LinkedIn in-mails to a few to to a handful of Badu former executives. And um, the initial conversations that I had were off the record, but almost all of them told me there's one person that you should talk to if you really want to know about the story with Andre's company, and that's Jessica Powell. Um, and Jessica Powell, she was only CMO, chief marketing officer at Badu for about a year in the early 2010s. Before that, she was at Google. Then she went back to Google after. Um, she was really the source that made me realize, okay, there's actually an entire side of the story um, that I didn't even realize was there before I went to London. Um, she she actually wrote a book called The Big Disruption. It's a satirical novel about her time in the Valley, and a lot of it is based out of her time from Google. It was also based on this one time that she worked for this startup. And in the intro on the Medium essay in which she wrote about this book, she said, it's also based out of, um, or it's inspired by my time working for a founder who um, once said he wanted to whiteboard an anonymous sex club He wondered whether he should give his employees dildos as as company swag. Um, And it was... Good Lord. Yeah. And it was this founder who owned hundreds of white t-shirts. And when I read that line, I realized that was Andre. Because Andre told me that he had the world's biggest collection of Prada white (laughs) t-shirts. What a... um... Wow. Uh, what a special individual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so anyway, I had all these data points about Jessica. Um, so I reached out to Jessica, and she was pretty hesitant to talk to me in the beginning. I think it was partly, you know, that she just didn't really want to um, retell that part of her life. And also, I think she wasn't really sure what the angle of the story was. And um, she didn't really want to participate in um, another puff piece. Um, about Andre and his dating app empire. But um, I continued reaching out to her for a couple of weeks. And eventually, eventually she she talked to me and told me about her experience. 
What did she tell you? What was the most shocking thing that she, you heard from her? Um, I think one of the most shocking things that she told me was um, when the company was interviewing uh, candidates for a designer position, and uh, she was told by Andre to give the candidate a massage and was told by Andre um, to make candidates horny to work for the company. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. But of course, she is just one person. And as damning as her testimony to you is, you have to keep digging. So what happens after you speak with Jessica Powell? So um, I started reaching out to other former employees. So, you know, LinkedIn became my best friend. I just, you know, reached out to basically any person on that site that had bad due on their resume in the last decade. Um, And I was eventually able to get 13 former employees to speak to me either on the record or on background. And um, it was through this reporting that, you know, all the other allegations started coming out, started coming to light, um, which, you know, included Andre making pretty racist and derogatory comments during company meetings, um, a history of tax evasion, um, and just, you know, a lot of examples of sexism and misogyny in the workplace. Um, And, you know, uh, things that got reported to HR. uh, One employee was accused of inappropriate touching at a company holiday party, and he was let go, but then he was rehired. So there were all these um, stories that really kind of painted this picture of a very toxic work environment in the London headquarters of Andre's dating app empire. So at this point, Andre and Whitney Wolfhard are well-established business partners. So what I, and I think what a lot of other people want to know is, how much did Whitney know about what was going on at this parent company of this female empowerment app that she's leading? I mean, I spoke to Whitney for the story, and she, you know, she told us that she wasn't aware of the behavior happening in the London office. And, you know, that is possible because she, for the most part, she's headquartered, she and Bumble, it's headquartered in Austin, Texas. So she is very, very far from London. But, you know, at the same time, I I don't know, I, I find it a little bit hard to believe that she wouldn't have been aware uh, of, of Andre's behavior and of the, the culture in the London office. So I'm I'm really curious what happened when you went back to him after having done all these interviews with former employees and hearing about the rampant sexism and misogyny at Bumble's parent company. Yeah. So with a story like this, when there are um, so many negative allegations, as a reporter, you have to bend over backwards to give the source and the company every chance to comment on every single negative allegation. So we did just that. Um, I still remember the phone call that I had, the first phone call that I had with Andre um, that sort of revealed the angle of the story. And I, before the call, I had this Google Doc sheet and I just wrote out every single allegation that I needed him to know and respond to. And it was a long list. And we had the call and, you know, in the beginning, it was, he was saying, nope, that didn't happen. Nope, that didn't happen. 
And at a certain point, actually, on the call, he started laughing because one of the allegations was just, I, I, I couldn't really believe that I was saying it out loud. Um, what was it? There was the allegation that in the London office, um, there were office parties where there was Coke and ketamine on the desks. Um, and when I said that, I remember Andre laughing and I remember him saying, Angel, is this going to be a positive or a negative story? Um, and yeah, I still remember that really clearly. What did you tell him? I said, I think I said, I'm still working on the angle of the story because it was true. We Which were, is all you can say in that at, at that point. That's all you can say. Yeah, and we were still kind of, we were still working on the angle of the story. We were working on corroborating every single allegation, making sure that it wasn't just coming from one person. We wanted everything that went in the story to be as airtight as possible. So you get his commentary and the company's response on the allegations. You publish the story what happens after this story comes out? Andre and Whitney, they came out with some pretty aggressive statements um, that really attacked the story, um, said everything was false. And yeah, they attacked the integrity of the entire story. Um, that was their initial response, which um, they gave to TechCrunch. I want to say it was maybe two days after that initial statement that they gave to TechCrunch, um, Andre comes out with this other statement that he gave to Business Insider that was a lot more, um, it was a lot more conciliatory. Um, he said that he was shocked and saddened by the allegations and that the company would be launching an investigation into the allegations in the story. Um, but, you know, I was reading this BI story and I saw that they were using the same firm that they had used when they said they could rehire the employee who had been accused of inappropriate touching. So I wrote a story and I said, Andre's going to be investigate or Andre's going to be launching an investigation into these claims, but they're actually using the same firm that allowed them to rehire this employee that had been accused of an inappropriate touching. And shortly after I published that story, I got a note from Andre's company saying that they were going to be hiring a new firm to lead the investigation. Angel, I think the biggest consequence of your story, and I speaks to the power of your story, and it's what you look for in all pieces of the great journalism, is actually what happens this fall and, and what we're seeing play out now. Right. What happened? So in November... Andre and his company announced that he would be selling his stake in his dating app empire to Blackstone, a private equity firm, and who would be stepping down from the company entirely. So three months, four months after your story comes out, he's gone. Right. He's gone. And I remember, I mean, when I realized that Andre was going to be selling his stake, I... I actually didn't expect that to happen. I thought he was gonna stay with it, you know, for as long as it was still a real company. It's something that he has spent a, a long time building up. So when I heard that, it was it was pretty shocking. And we still haven't, uh, we, we still don't know what the results are from the investigation that he said he was gonna be opening um, up on the allegations. So, so yeah, that was pretty shocking. 
Where do things stand now? Are you still following the company on a day-to-day basis? Or in your mind, has this story kind of ended and you've moved on to other investigative assignments? You know, to this day, I am still hearing from sources about this story. Um, I don't think that this story is done yet. Um, But, you know, after Andre exited from his company, Whitney is now at the head of everything. Whitney is the CEO of this dating app empire that Andre built um, in the last decade. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a new chapter for the company, really, with Whitney at the helm. And it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Well, Angel, I don't want you to leave us just yet. I think it's time for us to do some segments. Segments, Mags? Segments. I want to do a segment called Cutting Room Floor. Angel, what's something you reported in this story that you wish had stayed in? And it could be as minor as a beautiful description, a little darling in writer speak that you had to kill, or a full-on anecdote that your editors cut for space and time. Sure. Um, so Andre and I, we, we met for five hours in London. And during this time, he showed me to some of his favorite places um, in Covent Garden and Bond Street. And I remember one of the restaurants, um, when we went, it was actually closed. It was right between lunchtime and dinner time, And so the restaurant was closed prepping for dinner service. But um, the maitre d', he knew Andre. And, you know, Andre just asked him, can I just uh, show her around at this restaurant? He said, sure. So um, we went in and you had to go downstairs um, to this dining area, and it was decorated like um, like a 1920s Shanghai-style type of a saloon. And all the chefs were sitting at a corner meeting about, you know, what they were going to be serving for dinner. And one of them turned around, and Andre said hi, and then they all waved back. And I just remember thinking, wow, you know, this, uh, this is the type of guy that Andre is, you know, at one of his favorite restaurants— um, a very well-known restaurant within London, even though it was closed, they would open the doors for him and he'd know all the chefs. Um, and, you know, that was a detail that I think really showed what kind of a person um, he was in, and still is probably in London society. And yeah, unfortunately, that didn't make it into the story. Which I do understand, right? In a story about misogyny and sexism at Bumble's parent company, his interactions with a London restaurant become a little less relevant. But it is telling, I think. It is very telling. He's obviously trying to show off, oh, come to this restaurant that's closed. I know the maitre d'. Here, maitre d', here's a 20-pound note. Uh, now, Maggie has practically been kicking me under the table because she wants to have a turn at this segment, too, even though this segment was designed just a year from you. So I'm going to kick it to Mags. Mags, well, what do you got? Our segments are designed for everyone to answer, and I'm going to let the re- record reflect that there are production notes that Maggie and Abe chime in. So I, I don't think, read Riva's notes. I know. You don't read, period. So <laughs> I've been thinking about this, and I have a grudge that I'm going to unearth from 2014. Good it's, Lord, let them die. You're you're really giving your Irish ancestors a run for their grudge money. I'm nothing but true to my heritage. That's very true. So in 2014, I was working on a story about enrollment management consultants. They're basically the money ball guys behind college admissions. Uh-huh. And I'm at this enrollment management uh-huh. consultancy <laughs> meeting in Chicago, and it was the most beautiful summer day, and the sky was unlike oh, no. anything I had seen. So in the story, I oh, described no. it under a cerulean sky, <laughs> and my editor at the time, it was like the first thing that got cut. Oh, and I, I really I really missed that word, even, <laughs> you know, almost six years later, in fact. Okay, well... 
that that's a it's a great word. That's a, that's a something. Thank you, Angel. That's a something. I am lost for words thinking about well, uh, that word. Angel appreciates that word. But <laughs> Abe, have you blocked out all the things that have been cut from your story? Oh, for sure. I'm up to my waist in celluloid at this point. It's just <laughs> things get lost on a daily basis. Let's do casting call. Because this is quite the investigation. I think there could be a movie like Spotlight about Angel's Bumble investigation. So in the movie about Angel's reporting and the sexism at Bumble's HQ and what's going on at Bumble in Austin, who is playing all of all of the central figures? Mm. Who um, I'm going to throw. I think this is we've done this in the past in which it's. um, we each offer cast up. I think a little collaboration would be fun. I'm going to throw Jennifer Lawrence out to do Whitney. I was, I gonna was say, just going to say that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Margot Robbie. Oh. They both have really big okay. eyes. I think like... You, you're all about the appearance. I, I am all about the appearance. Yeah. Well, Margot Robbie is pretty versatile as an actress. Uh, who uh, Did you guys see Knives Out? Anna do... Uh, poor Anna. I'm butchering her last name, but she'd probably be pretty good too. Um, <laughs> who do we think could do Andre? I have one. Okay, you're smiling. Ashton Kutcher. What? Because okay. the photo, the photo of Andre with your story, <laughs> he's like smiling and he's wearing a bow tie and like kind of smirking. And I'm pretty sure and the way his hair is parted, yeah, you, it's brown you gotta hair. do um smug. Individual. I just think like I, I feel like the way his hair is parted in in this photo, it's brown, it's like almost a mushroom cut. I don't know. I just I feel like I see Ashton playing this and also Ashton invests money in companies. He is an investor. So in real life, I feel like he could tap into that knowledge and really imbue the character of Andre. What about with uh, some knowledge? What about Timote Chalamet? That was that was that was my casting. Too young. Oh, yeah. Too young. Too young. OK. Um, and e- even Ashton is a little bit too young, but I guess you could you could make him older. How, how, how old is Andre? He's 49, I believe. Oh, he does not come across it at all. You need someone who's like got a picture in an attic aging poorly. (laughs) What about... um, Ashton Kutcher's 41 years old. Yeah, he's older than he looks. The most important question, Angel, is who's going to play you? I assume you don't want to be played by Michael Keaton. (laughs) No, that'd be pretty great. Um, (laughs) Who could play me? I mean, I've been loving Aquafina lately, so I would love for Aquafina to play me. <laughs> uh, the Farewell, I think I've talked about on this pod several times, it was the best movie it's I saw. It's so good. So, so good. It was awesome. And I, I, don't, I don't even have a Chinese grandmother, and I still cried. <laughs> well, Angel, if that movie ever gets made, I hope you'll find some cameo roles for Maggie and me. Thank you so much for coming into the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. Maggie, stop trying to escape from the pod studio. We're not done yet. It's time for last but not least. My New Year's resolution is to stop giving you shit for your delivery here. And, and, yet- hope, it, and hope it contracts itself. Yes. Um, you know, maybe, maybe. But this is this is the one. T- this is an important time for us. This is where we give some love to another list from around the Internet. Abe, what list do you have for me today? Well, a little disclaimer before I give you the list, Mags. We've talked about some heavy, weighty, very serious things on the pod today. I'm going to take us in a different direction. It's going to be a little, it's going to be the lighter, funnier side of dating and mating. I'm a little scared, but continue. (laughs) The bees do it. The birds do it. Even educated Argonaut octopuses do it. Uh, I've got a list from Britain's Royal Society of Biology that looks at the weirdest animal 
dating and mating rituals. <laughs> and I promise you that they're much odder than swiping right or meeting a stranger in a bar for a drink. Uh, so in the North Atlantic, when a male hooded seal is feeling a little amorous, he inflates his elastic navel cavities and membranes into what looks like a pink balloon. I could do without the sound effects. Let's move uh, on. Across America and California, the banana slug has it a lot worse. If it doesn't choose a mating partner that's the correct size, it, it, its penis gets stuck and the other slug bites it off after sex. <laughs> no comment. Moving on. Uh, and beneath the sea is that Argonaut octopus that I mentioned. True to its name, it doesn't mind launching a bit of an expedition. When a boy Argonaut octopus sees a lovely lady octopus swimming by, he sends out his long detachable penis to swim out and mate with her. In the past, scientists have examined the, a female species of this octopus before and mistaken attached penises for parasitic worms. So like I said, much, much weirder than buying a stranger a drink in a bar. On that note, let's get out of here before something even worse happens. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Listed. I'm your co-host, Abe Brown. I'm your horrified co-host, <laughs> Maggie McGrath. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listed. And thank you very much to the lovely Angel Al Young for joining us. We will be putting links to all of Forbes' coverage of Bumble in our show notes, so please check those out to learn more. And you know what? The apps that we love the most are the ones where you find pods like ours. CastBox, Apple Pods, Stitcher, Google Play. Don't be shy. Go rate and review us. That's how we rise to the top of the lists. And while you're at it, we have an email address where you can let us know your feedback directly. What you love, what you can do without. Write to us at listed at Forbes.com. Listed is a spoke media production. Kieran Meadows records with us in studio, and our producer is Reva Goldberg. Our theme song is composed and performed by Will Short. Our production team is Caroline Hamilton, John Villalobos, and Will Short at Spoke Media. And thanks for helping with this labor of love. It goes out to Travis Collins, Kyle Kramer, Randall Lane, and Dyer Fruton here at Forbes. See you next week. Bye. Wait, are you revealing on air that your name's actually Margaret? I think most people know that Maggie is a diminutive of Margaret. Hi, Peggy. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>